Hey, this morning as we dive into the Word, I'm hoping that uh, the message that you hear from James, that it changes or challenges your picture of who God is. Um, Whatever picture you have of Him, I hope that you see Him through grace-filled, merciful eyes here this morning. So I invite you to pray with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we open your word, as we think of who you are, may you shape the picture of you, who you really are to us. May we see you in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, my family and I were traveling back from Panama City Beach, headed up to Atlanta. We were on vacation and we were heading back home. And uh, we were trying to get home in time for Canaan to get to his swimming lesson at the YMCA there in Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, We had enough time to make it back, and we had enough time to stop and actually eat. And so we pulled off the freeway in Columbus, Georgia at Cracker Barrel, the world's greatest restaurant. I heard an amen. We can be friends, whoever that was. Okay. Listen, Cracker Barrel, you may think it's like low class and whatever. It's the best food ever. Uh, if you haven't had their French toast with the freestone peaches with the whipped cream on top of that, it is life-changing. I'm telling you, it is so, if I had to eat one meal, every meal for the rest of my life, that would be the meal that I would have. I would die, but I would die happy. That's a good meal right there. So we stop in Columbus. Now, my wife was born in Columbus, and it was on her birthday. And so I thought, we're going to get hometown treatment. This is going to be great. Pull into the, to Cracker Barrel. We walk in. The hostess gets us a table. We go back there. Our waiter comes up. His name's Cody. Good-looking guy. Good eye contact. Real, like a nice dude. I'm thinking, this is going to be great. He talks to us for a minute or two. And then he says something that, that was weird. He said, um, it's nice to, to meet nice people. You'd be surprised at what people say. And I I didn't know what that meant, but I didn't really care, to be honest with you. I just wanted to get my biscuits, you know what I'm saying? So he uh, he takes our drink order. We ordered water because we're cheap. And then he goes to get the water. Uh, 20 minutes later, he comes back with biscuits and cornbread. I don't care about the cornbread. I'll have one of the biscuits because that free, the, the, the French toast with the peaches, if they put enough peaches on there, then you have biscuits to sop up the rest of the peaches. Do you understand the word sop? Are you from the South? That's what you sop up the, the peach compote. So uh, he, 20 minutes later, he comes back with the biscuits. We devour them instantly, and then we begin every parent's nightmare, which is entertaining children while you're waiting for food, right? That's why we go to Cracker Barrel, because the walls are covered with interesting things that you can look at. We, my family's always played I Spy with these, these antiques, you know, what color is it, whatever. You play this game too. Or, uh, or sometimes, if you're really bored, you play that, that golf team, the golf tee game, you know, you know, the one that makes you feel like an idiot? An ignoramus? Yeah. I get that every time. Uh, he comes back 20 minutes later, takes our order. So we've been there for like 40 minutes now. Finally gets our order. We order our food. Um, now, Caffrey and Canaan and Jen, we go over to the, the uh, checkerboard table by the fireplace. We start playing checkers. 10 more minutes, he comes by and he says, he says, oh, I am so sorry. I forgot to hit send on your order. We're in a hurry. We only have so much time we can be at this place. I'm like, okay. Like, I want to give him grace because I would want somebody to give me grace too. So I said, okay, you know, we're in a little hurry, but we can make it happen. So he, he scurries off. We, we, we play a little more. Finally, it's been well over an hour. Our food isn't there. Um, I flag him down and I say, hey, Cody, we've got to leave like in the next few minutes. So can you make this a to-go order? And as I think about the to-go order, I think, how am I going to eat French toast while I'm driving? 
So he says, sure, sure, we'll do that. Ten minutes later, he comes back and he says, hey, just meet me at the door. I'll bring your food there. And so, okay, so we all get up from the table. We walk out to the, the lobby where all the gifts are and all that stuff. And we're hanging out there waiting for him. Another five minutes passes. Still no Cody. Uh, another five minutes pass, and it's time. We have to go. Like, there's just, there's no stopping anymore. We're, we're going to go. We're going to pick up food at the house or whatever. And so I walk up to the, to the line for the cashier. There's a lady in front of me who also had Cody as her server. And the cashier is talking to this lady. How was everything? And the lady says, well, it was pretty terrible. And she starts talking about it. And the cashier says, I am so sorry that happened to you. Uh, let, me, let me make some adjustments. And she takes everything off the bill except for the entree. So the lady only pays for the entree. So she leaves, and now it's my turn, and the lady uh, says, hey, um, tell me, uh, how, how was it? And I said, well, our food never came. We ate biscuits, so I need to pay for those, and then I need to go. And as she's wondering what's happening, she, she calls to the manager. Now this is a big thing. Like, I wasn't making a deal out of this. I just wanted to leave. So the manager now is coming over. He says, sir, what has happened? And I'm telling him the whole story. I just want to leave. Just take my money. I want to go. So he's talking to me, and, and who, who shows up but Cody with our bag full of food? He comes around the corner, and the manager takes one look at Cody and realizes what has happened, and he says, one second. He deletes everything off of our bill. He hands me the food, and he said, sir, this is not our standards. I'm sorry for what you experienced today. Have a great day. And we got to go. I wasn't looking for a free meal, but it's time to go. And so I take the meal, we go out to the car, and for the next hour, as my wife is cutting up bite-sized pieces of French toast and feeding them to me, <laughs> I'm thinking about Cody. What happened to him? You know, he was obviously having a bad day. He was in a bit bad spot mentally, kept messing up the orders, kept messing customers up. What happened to him? You know, what did the manager do? Did the manager get angry with him? Was it the last day that he worked at Cracker Barrel? Did he get fired on the spot? Did the manager say, hey, Cody, you know, I know you're having a tough day. Go home, get your act together, and come back and try again later. Did the manager show mercy over his judgment? You know, in this day and age where everybody is only you first, and we only ever think about ourselves, and where selfishness is the name of the game, where people are always trying to get what they deserve and what they are owed, where we're quick to point fingers and to figure out whose fault it was, and who done wrong, and who messed up, and who's at fault, where we instantly judge others. Where's the mercy? And as we so often do, we filter our picture of who God is through our picture of how we interact with others. And God becomes someone that is just waiting to annihilate you from the planet. And yet God is a grace giver, and he's a mercy lover, and God's mercy triumphs over his judgment. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open them to James chapter 2. James is at the way end of the Bible, almost to the end. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can open the Blue Pew Bible in front of you to page 855, and you'll follow along reading the same words that I'm reading. And while you're flipping there, I'll give you a little bit of context. I love the book of James. It is just powerful, practical uh, words to speak into your life as a follower of Jesus, to help you on your walk with him. It's beautiful stuff. J James was probably one of the brothers of Jesus, but didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until later on in life when he became one of the big church leaders at that time. 
He's not like Paul church planter level, but he's a powerful uh, Christian leader back in the day. And James writes to Christians, that means he's writing to you and me, and he's encouraging us in our lifestyle and our faith in God. And there's so much good stuff here in this book. Even the first chapter, James 1, just, just delicious things that you can just eat up here. Uh, James 1, 5, you know this one well. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I mean, that's beautiful. You don't know what to do. You don't know the next steps. Ask the one that knows it all, and he'll give it to you without even finding fault. Or verse 12. Here's another one. This is a gem. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Come on, somebody. That's got to speak to somebody today. Blessed are you that perseveres in the hard stuff, because God's with you every step of the way. All right, here's another gem. Even this is the first chapter, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Ah, man, James is already painting a picture of who God is, one that's with you every step of the way, one that uh, gives you wisdom and helps you through everything, one that gives good gifts and wants the best for you. And in chapter 2, James starts talking about favoritism. He says, don't show favorites. Doesn't matter who it is, no matter what group it is, if they're rich or they're poor, or if they're black or they're white, or they're Republican or they're Democrat, it doesn't matter. James says, treat everybody the same, just as Christ would. And we get to James chapter 2, verse 8, where he launches into this little section that we focus on today. Here's what my Bible says, James 2, verse 8. Here's what James says. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, here's what it is, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Now this is powerful, this little passage here, because it really points a convicting finger at all of us. I mean, every single one of us. It puts God on a, God's law on a level playing field. Most of us have probably not killed someone ever, but how many of us have taken his name in vain? Most of us probably have not committed adultery, but how many of us have lied? James says, if you broke one of them, you broke all of them. In other words, if you have sinned, then you are a sinner. Uh, Happy Sabbath. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) And you already know how Paul puts it. Here's how Paul puts it in Romans. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we're all sinners. And what I find interesting is that we focus so much on the Decalogue, the, the ten, the big ten ones, uh, that, that, that's all we think about as sin, yet how much other stuff in life is sin, like pride, like holding on to anger, like not forgiving others, like not representing God in your lifestyle. I mean, all of it. Every one of us this morning are guilty. We're all convicted. We're all under judgment. We've broken the law, and we're all condemned. And while that is a scary thought, James continues to the part that changes my picture of God. It's in verse 12. Here's what he says. He says, Forest Lake Church, speak and act 
as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. He says, live a life that lives for Jesus, that obeys his law and love for him. The law is God's design for happiness and fulfillment. He says, this is what it looks like to live for me. This is the happiest place you'll be. If you stay in this, these boundaries, this is what it looks like, the best of the best. It's what life looks like in perfect harmony with the Creator. It's a life that reflects Him in all that you do. And James says, live like that in the context of God's law. Give mercy and you'll receive mercy. And James' final sentence in verse 13, I saved it for now, it says this, very short sentence, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm going to read it again. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And we pause here for a minute to dive a little bit deeper to understand this. The key word in Greek is this word karakuksatai. Here it is on the screen for you. Would you like to say it with me? I heard more yeses than no. First service was really weak on this, so, so let's, get, let's do it together. On three, ready? One, two, three. Karakuksatai. Doesn't that feel nice? Yes? You can practice it over Sabbath lunch together as you're eating your haystacks. Karakuksatai. Listen to some of the translations. To assume superiority over, to glory over, to boast against, to triumph over. It's a powerful word because whatever comes after this word is dominated by whatever comes before the word. Are you with me? Mercy karakuksatize or triumphs over judgment. And while we're talking abstract things and they're not very concrete, let me make it very concrete for you with this illustration. In the year 2000, and I was joking with these awesome musicians back here that none of them even know what Y2K was. They know what NBA 2K is, but not Y2K. In the year 2000, the Olympics were held in Sydney, Australia. I love watching the Olympics, the summer Olympics, the winter ones I don't even care about, the summer ones. But, and I love it because America dominates every year and it just makes me proud of my country. And uh, especially in basketball. We better be good at it because we invented it, right? But I mean, when we play basketball, it's like some of the other teams are like the JV squad going up against the NBA All-Stars. And in 2000, we had a great squad on the court. Now, I know that some of you, if you're like uh, around 40, you'll understand some of these names. If you're under, you may not get them. But like our squad was Gary Payton. Anybody? AKA the glove. That was he, that's what he was called. Uh, how about this one? Jason Kidd. Do you hear all the, like, deep, like, mature voices? Yep. How about this one? Ray Allen. For some of you young bucks, Ray Allen was the original Steph Curry. Kevin Garnett. Of course, everybody knows Kevin Garnett. But one, the one moment in this one basketball game was when a young Vince Carter, and apparently he played on the, the Magic for a while, didn't he? A young Vince Carter, who still had hair at the time, uh, he rocked the world with a dunk. USA was playing France, and uh, France gets a rebound. They push the ball down the court. Vince Carter intercepts the pass, and as he comes towards the goal, he's met with seven foot two Frederick Weiss from France, seven feet two inches tall. Vince, who's known for his unbelievable hops, I mean, this guy can really jump, he launches into the air over top of this 
seven foot two Weiss and throws down a nasty dunk. Would you like to see the video? Okay, it's a good thing I have one. That would be messed up if I was like, would you like to see it? I don't have it. I got it. Let's, let's watch it together. Here we go. Okay. Bad layup. France gets the rebound, pushes the ball down court, and there he is. Here we go. Boom! Look at this guy. America, you know what I mean? Let's watch it again. Let's watch it again. This crowd likes to root against the United States because the overwhelming favorite, but they love when this stuff happens. That's nasty. That's disrespectful is what that is. Let's watch it again. Let's see, let's see it one more time. Just look at this. Should we watch it again? Let's watch it one more time. That's like something What's that this? was set up in a slam dunk contest. Boom! Oh, it hurts my feelings watching this. There we go. Last time, I promise. My goodness gracious. Oh, wow. Slam dunk champ. Oh, it's amazing. That's amazing. And Vince leaps, leaps over this seven-footer, and as he does it, he glories over, he boasts against, and he triumphs over with dominance and power over this seven-foot, two-inch Frederick Weiss. There's nothing that he could do. He had to submit to Vince. And when it comes to mercy and judgment, while God has to be a judge, and while he has to have the law of life that is a framework for us, but it also stands as a condemning benchmark for humanity, while he has to be a judge, he also is a God filled with grace and mercy. And let me tell you, when mercy and judgment go head to head, mercy always wins. And as I read this verse, not only does it tell me that mercy triumphs over judgment, but it gives me a look deep inside the heart of God and who He really is. He's a God that loves to show mercy. He exists for this. All over the Bible you can read about it. In Luke, here's, what, here's what, how Luke puts it. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That's who He is. Here it is in Psalms. Here's what David says. He says, You, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Here's how Jeremiah puts it. It's a hymn. You know the words well. Jeremiah says, Through the Lord's mercies we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Here's how Micah puts it. I love this verse. He says, who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. Are you kidding me? Man, that's the God that I know and love. He's a God that delights in being merciful. He loves to show mercy. He lives for opportunities to give mercy and compassion. He can't wait to give mercy where it's unexpected and undeserved. He delights to show mercy. Mercy is something that once you experience it, you're never the same again. Once you feel mercy... There's something different, and it feels so good, doesn't it? I have an older sister. Her name's Mindy. She's two years older than me, and she's incredible. 
I love her to death. I've loved her and been close to her my whole life, even as we were kids. And yeah, we had arguments, but man, we've always been really close. She was just down here a few weeks ago, and we had the best time ever just hanging out and talking until two in the morning. It was kind of late, but it was worth every minute of it. And, uh, and as kids, man, we got along pretty well, and we had lots of good memories, like at nighttime. I mean, all the good memories happen at nighttime, right? Where we'd stay up late, and we'd go in each other's closet with flashlights, and we'd just read books, or, or uh, this is ridiculous. I can't believe we did this. Um, it happened multiple times, but sometimes after we'd be put to bed, my parents would be in the living room reading or watching TV or whatever it is. My, my sister and I would communicate with each other and say, hey, let's change up our furniture. You want to? Who does this? Any, any kids out there? Now you have ideas. Sorry, parents. Now your kids are going to be changing their furniture. You know how hard it is to move a dresser down the hallway without alerting your parents that are in the living room watching TV? We would change all our furniture around all the time. And, and while we were pretty young, like four and six, I vividly remember an argument that we had with each other. We were in the living room. She was lying on the couch. I was sitting next to her. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. Something ridiculous. But her arm was dangling over the couch. And, and I didn't get what I wanted. And so I grabbed her arm and I bit it as hard as I could. Some of you are biters, I know. She pulled her arm back and screamed when my mom came running in. Hey, what's going on in here? Well, there was evidence of what had happened on my sister's arm, a perfect circle, two semicircles together, top and bottom teeth. I mean, you could get my DNA off those suckers. It was, I mean, if it was a crime scene, I would have been convicted instantly. My mom saw what it was. She knew what had happened. She had to give punishment because you can't just go around biting people. And so she's got judgment figured out. She knows what she's got to do. And so she did what I think good parents would do. She says, Mindy, I want you to bite Matthew's arm. <laughs> My eyes got big. Mindy's eyes got big. We looked at each other. We looked at my mom. And I held my arm out. My sister brought her mouth onto my arm and I waited for the searing pain of teeth puncturing my skin. I felt her mouth on my arm. I felt the teeth, but she never bit me. I don't even know if my mom even knows till this day because I wasn't gonna tell her because she might say, all right, do it again this time. <laughs> she wouldn't do it. Instead, she showed me mercy. When I deserved the worst, she gave me the best. When I deserved judgment, she showed me mercy. This morning, I don't know what your picture of God looks like. You know, for some of you, he's the God that just points at you and says, you're guilty. For some of you, he's the God that's just waiting to destroy you. For some of you, you don't even really know what you think about him other than you blame him for everything that's bad in your life. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the God of the universe is a God that loves you more than anything. In fact, he's a God full of compassion and he delights in showing mercy. May you bask in the wonder of God's mercy, resting in his compassion and love for you, and may you continue to see a God that delights to show mercy.